everyone. Welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Macmillan Library Marketing. I'm Susan McGuire, and today I'm talking to Talia the Terror Sharer, Amanda Rough'em Up Roundtree, Emily Cheese Day, and Samantha Stick'em Up Slavin, aka the Macmillan Library Marketing Team, here to answer the question, who is this team of bookaholics? And why should librarians give a hoot about their recommendations? So since we've got a full house, let's start off by you all introducing yourselves and talk about what inspired you to go into publishing and library marketing. Thank you, Susan. My name is Talia Scherer, and I'm the Senior Director of Library Marketing at Macmillan. And I always wanted to be a writer when I was growing up. And I realized that I'm a terrible writer. And so I found publishing through a New York Times print edition advertisement for a position at... In the 1930s. <laughs> it was a position that was then called Penguin Putnam. And I used a fax machine. Oh my gosh, it was the 1930s. And I started in publishing. Next slide, please. <laughs> Um, so I'll go next. Uh, I am Amanda Ramtree. I am the Assistant Digital Media Manager for Library Marketing. And I, you know, I, I, I've always been a reader. I um, was one of those kids who would make like the weekly visits to the library growing up. Um, and so when I finished NYU's Summer Publishing Institute program and saw uh, an open position in a library marketing department, I decided this was fate and this is where I needed to be. And I haven't looked back. Um, I'll go next. My name is Emily Day, and I am the Library Marketing Coordinator and YA Specialist at Macmillan. And I actually started out as a teacher. I taught fourth grade for a couple of years, but it wasn't really my jam. Uh, so I started looking into grad schools where I could get my master's in children's literature. And from there, I did a couple of uh, different publishing internships and eventually moved to New York for this job at Macmillan. I've been here ever since. I am Samantha Slavin. I am the library marketing assistant. So newest member. I've been here for almost a year. So I loved ice cream and reading when I was little. And I learned <laughs> in college that it's not realistic to get a job in ice cream. Hmm. Um, and then I interned at a publishing company when I was going into my senior year of college. I kind of just like fell into it. And I realized I can get a job in reading. Yeah, the magic. I mean, I feel like librarianship and publishing have a similar mythos of like, we read for a living, which is like sort of true, but it does sort of lead into the next question, which I get a lot from my family, um, which is what do you all even do all day? I like to say that I spend a lot of time wondering what my dog is thinking about. Okay. That cannot be printed. Oh, wait, this is a podcast. Too late. <laughs> the best part of my day is actually corresponding with librarians and recommending books. And we do that using spreadsheets and email and catalogs and advanced readers' copies. No, I'll let other people chime in. I would say, like, the short answer, in my opinion, is like, we talk about books all day. And it's like, how can we talk about these books to make people listen and read them? So I feel like we all work pretty closely together, um, but I handle a lot of our like digital initiatives. I work with Samantha a lot on our website posts at macmillanlibrary.com. And lately I've been spearheading a lot more of like the online content, like recorded title presentations or 
-hmm. designing virtual booths at conferences and author takeovers and all that kind of stuff. So basically, it's just trying to get people to hear about our books. Yeah, which is always more complicated than it sounds. Very much. (laughs) I focus mostly on um, our YA titles, specifically from Wednesday Books and Flatiron Books. But in addition to that, I also... I run our Instagram account and I do our monthly e-newsletter that goes out. So yeah, it's really it's really just talking about books, writing about books, taking pictures of books just in in various different ways. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm always recommending books, but a lot of what we do is learning about books to teach others about books to teach librarians. Yeah, I think librarians can relate to the fact that like knowing the title of a book is just one one small part of it. So is there kind of like a formula or something you look for to know that a book is going to be a hit with the library market? Like, is there something about the book or the author or the marketing plan that you're like, oh, librarians are going to want this? And do your personal reading preferences or expertises ever influence what you think is going to be a hit in the library? I'll take this one, if I may. (laughs) This is Talia. So I've always believed that librarians want to be the first ones to discover a new author, a new story, something that hasn't been seen, hasn't been told before. Mm -hmm. So my instinct has always been to go after a debut. And also those titles that we call under the radar, the ones that we know won't necessarily get the million dollar marketing budget. Not that those exist anymore. (laughs) But back in the 1930s when you started. Exactly. When I with my white gloves and my cigarettes. No, this is the best part is when I get to whisper in a librarian's ear at a convention, we won't be doing that anymore, and say, I know just the book for you because this librarian has told me, let's say she likes a mystery, a debut, it's British. I'm like, we have a brand new author. We've never seen or heard from her before. And then they love to then go hand sell that. Yeah. I mean, it's reader's advisory for the reader's advisors. Yeah. We also monitor galley chat pretty closely, the the early word galley chats on Twitter. And sometimes that will inform us of books that librarians are into that maybe we didn't, wasn't on our radar at first. One example of that was Red, White, and Royal Blue, which we all, we all loved, obviously, but. That was like one of my faves. But we didn't really know until it was, it was being talked about on Galley Chat that it was going to be such a hit among librarians. So that was definitely helpful for us. Cool. Oh, that's nice to hear that librarians help you too. Oh, absolutely. My favorite thing to do at a convention. It, I have to stop saying that because who knows what that will be like, right? Look, there's still, you know, some kind of interaction. Yeah. My favorite thing to do is to say, well, the, people usually approach us and say, well, what do you recommend? And then I'd like to turn it around and say, well, what do you like to read? Mm-hmm. So we start with what you're interested in and we work from there. And I just, I love it when people just keep like, no, but what do you like? I'm like it's not about me. It's about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, any librarian who's ever had a reader's advisory conversation will find that very familiar. And it's ironic that they're turning around and doing that to you. <laughs> cruel, a cruel profession. <laughs> So when you're talking to folks about a book, what what do you think goes into the perfect book pitch or book talk? Costumes. Okay. Always very handy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll let the others answer for once. (laughs) When I'm building my book talks, I, you know, you got to throw in some plot because we need to know, you know, what we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. But I like to focus on what, you know, what 
makes this book different from the millions of other ones that are being published out there? Is there something in the author's background that makes this, you know, particularly relevant or is it set in an interesting time or location that people want to learn more about and kind of related to the last question, like, is it a debut? Is it is there any sort of diversity? Like, what's the writing like? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very long answer to that question. <laughs> no, I mean, because I think, you know, the the a good book talk seems effortless and seems really easy, but that's because so much goes into building it. Exactly. There's a lot that we're trying to convey. You're just supposed to see the sausage and not how it's made. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Metaphor. <laughs> I love telling the story of how the editor found the book, if they give us enough background and why it spoke to the editor. Oh. And I like to talk about the editor's taste and somebody I, I, I there are certain editors I just know, I just trust. Mm-hmm. And I love to say, well, this is the editor of Leon Moriarty. She discovered her. Yeah. So I'm paying attention, friend. Or this is the editor of Kristen Hanna. But in some cases, when it's a new editor, you know, you, you, it's a leap of faith. But I love that, too, because then that's, that's where the librarian comes in. Like, not only is it a new editor, it's a brand new book. It's a brand new author. Yeah. You can nurture this, these people through their career. Anyway. Yeah. The discovery, like you said before. I would say, kind of going off of what Amanda said, it does have to be something unique and like what makes this book different. Mm. But at the same time, it's also really helpful to have good comps. Yeah. And so it's like, what makes this book different, but also what is it like? <laughs> right. Because that can just be so helpful in finding the right reader. I was going to say that same thing. Like the second you can be giving a whole pitch and everything, and then the second you say a comp that the reader likes or the librarian likes, that's when it totally clicks. Right. I mean, as soon as you say Leanne Moriarty, it's like, oh, okay, I, I know the reader for this book. Mm-hmm. So speaking of readers for books, let's talk about you all as readers. What are you all reading right now? Or have you read recently that is just like giving you life that you want librarians to know about? Well, in another example of librarians telling me when something is good, I recently read both of Beth O'Leary's books, The Flat Chair and The Switch, and they're absolutely delightful. So I have a couple of categories for books. I have gut-wrenching, gut-punching, heartbreaking, heartwarming. And I say that the flat chair and the switch are totally heartwarming in different ways. And the gut-wrenching is Dominicana by Angie Cruz. We'll be interviewing her in a few days. And this book is just, I mean, just the entire time, like, oh, come on. Yeah, but like in a good way. Of course. And she won the Alex Award, so for Best Adult Title for Teens. She was shortlisted for the Carnegie or longlisted for the Carnegie. And it's just beautiful writing, but heartbreaking. This young woman immigrates to New York after marrying at 15, a much older man. He's in her 30s. And it's her just trying to survive the day-to-day, not speaking the language in a foreign place, no family, no friends. And then the last book, which is, was this the, this is the gut wrenching or the gut punching is we begin at the end by Chris Whitaker. It'll be out next winter. And you've got the coolest, most badass 13 year old protagonist I've read in a while. She refers to herself as an outlaw. That's all I'll tell you. Okay, next. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. So yeah, my, I feel like my reading has been all over the place lately. Usually I'm into a ton of like the, the genre fiction of our department. 
And one book that I read recently that is coming out next March is called Lost Village by Camilla Sten. And this is technically suspense, but with a hefty dose of horror about a documentary crew that goes to this remote village um, where years before the entire, everybody who lived there just disappeared and no one ever knew what happened. Um, and so this crew gets there and, and they're not there for very long before strange things start to occur. So you've got super like Blair Witch Project vibes, but I also like to comp it to sort of a head full of ghosts and Whisper Man where you're not really sure if this is real life or something more supernatural is going on. So it's it was a lot of fun to read. And another one that I read that was another one that librarians were going crazy over. And then I was like, okay, I've got to try this is His and Hers by Alice Feeney. It's out now and it is just a great psychological thriller. Um, it's got multiple narrators where one is this mystery narrator that you know is the killer and you're sort of trying to figure out who amongst the narrators that person is. And it is just so, so twisty and very well done with all kinds of red herrings. This is the author of Sometimes I Lie, but I really think this is like her best book yet. I'm halfway through that right now, so do not reveal anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the claws come out. <laughs> Besides his and hers, a couple of things that I've read recently, two new upcoming YA books, one actually comes out today, is Lobazona by Romina Garber. Mm -hmm. This is inspired by Argentinian folklore. And it's an immigrant story about a young girl named Manuela. And she is living in Miami. And she, every month, all, kind of has these very vivid, very intense dreams that take her to like this mysterious world where there are werewolves and witches and all this magic. And then one day, Ice detains her mom. And so she, Manu, has to run away and she's on the run from ice trying to escape being deported and while she's on the run she makes her way from Miami to the Everglades and in the Everglades kind of buried deep in the Everglades she discovers her dream world in the real world so wow. she finds these kind of magical teens that can turn into werewolves and witches and it's just this beautiful magical fantasy that just will take you away to another world. And it was exactly what I needed to read a couple months ago when I read it. Amazing. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. And it's out today. And then the other one that I read recently and loved is The Insomniacs by Merritt Weisenberg. Completely different from Lobazona, but it's contemporary fiction about a young girl who is a nationally ranked high diver. And during one of her dives, she hits her head. And gets a concussion and can't remember anything about what happened. She, she has kind of some flickers here and there. So she's staying at home. She's staying home from school and she kind of just watches the world outside her window. And then one night she's watching outside the window and notices some strange things happening at the abandoned house next door. And so, because during these nights that she can't sleep and um, then she discovers that her neighbor Van, who she also has a crush on, also can't sleep and has also been kind of noticing strange things at that house. So they, they spend their sleepless nights together as they uncover the secrets of their neighborhood. And it's just, it's twisty and there's a sweet romance to it, but there's also this like deep mystery. It's, it's really fun. 
I'm totally a sucker for a book that has like a secret romance plot. <laughs> Anything else can happen, but if there's smooching, I'm totally in. Yes, there's definitely some smooching. <laughs> um, I'm taking it a little different. <laughs> I have been trying to read happy things, but I also have been reading a lot of um, dark books, I would say. I just finished All Girls by Emily Layden, which is a debut. It's so good about a boarding school in New Hampshire and every chapter is about a different girl in the boarding school they're all in different grades and it really goes into the minds of high schoolers but what they're all dealing with and there is a sexual assault case that is brought up throughout the book but it's not totally about that it's kind of how they're all dealing with it coming up um but really good i was so addicted and then I am now reading The House Uptown by Melissa Ginsburg. I'm in the middle of it. And it takes place in New Orleans. I went to Tulane, so I love New Orleans. And the scenery is beautiful. The, the descriptions are great, but it's also a thriller in New Orleans, which is really fun. And I'm really happy I'm not living there while reading it. Um, but there are great relationships in it. And it's twisty. I love it. And I love how many of these books are like kind of of the moment, like especially Tali and Emily, you both talked about books that have to do with like immigration and ice and stuff. And I wonder what the next time we talk, what sort of pandemic books you'll have for us <laughs> <laughs> or, or what's the opposite of pandemic to escape it? Utopian. Yeah. <laughs> Place in Eden. Oh my gosh. Utopia is the new dystopia. Lots of sweet rom-coms. Can't have enough of those. That's, that's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> Listen, I will not complain. Well, so if folks are uh, intrigued by your book opinions, where can they find more from you guys from Macmillan Library Marketing? I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. Susan, hmm. we are available on our website at macmillanlibrary.com. We are available on Twitter or Instagram or email. Honestly, if you Googled my name, my email address and phone number will pop up. <laughs> so if you really do want to talk, I'm very easily found. Our favorite thing to do is really to recommend books. Um, and I, Samantha will tell you, she does spend all day picking the right book for the right reader. That is her job description. Pick right book for right reader. I love it. That's the dream, man. All right. So Talia, Amanda, Emily, and Samantha, thank you all so much for chatting with me. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Shelf Care interview. This Shelf Care interview was sponsored by Macmillan Library Marketing, the four-person team of book concierges, genre whisperers, and hand-selling professionals who are here for you. Happy reading! Happy reading!